You know, welcome. For those of you who are joining us for the first time, for those of you who are joining us online, um, this series that we're in right now really began about a year ago where the Holy Spirit of God just brought me back to a vision um, that was given to Ezekiel in Ezekiel 47. And that vision was of, of the future. And, and I think it was two pictures of the future. A picture of the church of Jesus Christ that had yet to be formed, but also a picture of the future in the book of Revelation. And I think this vision, uh, it just so captured my heart. And I got the staff together here earlier this year to say, you know, this, this vision, if you would read through that, is of a trickle going out of the temple heading east. And the further that current went towards the dry spaces that needed life, the deeper the water flowed. And my prayer for us this season is that we be a people who grow deeper in relationship with the Lord. And I would say that who we are is far more important than even what we do. I know many times we can get so caught up in the church and we can guilt ourselves or shame ourselves or, or just say, why am I not doing more? And I think so many times it comes back to this idea of are we drinking deeply of the source of living water so that we are so full that when we bump up into one another, we're just sloshing Jesus out. And I, I tell you, that's the why we've entitled this Saturate. But as I got the, the team together here and we were praying collaboratively, collaboratively as a staff team, we were just saying, Lord, how have you designed, who have you deposited here at this local church family for such a time as this? And with what the Holy Spirit of God has brought here, Lord, what would you have us to do? Because that is our primary responsibility as equippers, to pay attention to, Lord, what are you doing? Because we can't rush anything. There's times where I've made many mistakes, and many of those mistakes has, have come from rushing the work of God on something. So when we were praying about the currents, what currents of blessing of the river of life can we bring into dry places. These were the four currents that we are a church that is positioned by God to love the marginalized. And I think we do that very, very well. We're increasing to do that well. Those who society has put in the margins, we just said, no, the love of God does not allow for that. Man, let's bring you in. Secondly, what Pastor Kenneth taught on last week is ignite gospel imagination. We're going to talk more about gospel today, but the imagination of how might I use whatever situation I'm in, wherever I'm working, wherever I'm living, wherever I'm recreating, how can I bring the gospel into that situation? And I tell you, there's plenty of imagination out there. That's what I love about being a follower of Jesus Christ. But then today, it's forge healthy families forge healthy families. Now, some of you might be single and say, oh, well, you know, should have missed today. No, this is as much for you because I'm not just talking about the biological family. I'm talking about the church family. And I don't know if you've noticed, but the church family is under attack. And we've been under attack for centuries. But it gets a little bit more intense, and the church is under attack. But for the church to thrive and not just barely survive, we need healthy church family 
that is made up of healthy families. And then next week, empower servant leadership. But that's next week. So we're going to talk about that more. But, you know, as I was uh, praying through this subject matter, I was brought to a scripture. There is a guy by the name of Nehemiah who God used to build and reconstruct the wall of Jerusalem after it was destroyed by the Babylonians. And in doing that, that was a mission. That was a very clear mission. And it's like God had given him a mission and used Nehemiah to work through this mission. And that mission was building the wall. And while they were, bu- while they were building the wall, there were enemies present. There were enemies trying to dissuade people from the mission that was very much for the purpose of the glory of God to reestablish Jerusalem as its rightful place, as a, a portrait to the world of a God who loves his creation. And so while they were on mission, there were enemies. And Nehemiah says this in Nehemiah 4.14, He was saying, referring to those enemies out there, do not be afraid of them. Why would he say that? Because discouraging words can really get under your skin. They could take your backbone away. They can take your courage away. But he says this, remember the Lord who is great and awesome. And then he says this, fight For your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. He says, fight. Fight for your homes. Now, there's ways that God has called his church to fight for one another. Not with the weapons of this world, but with godly weapons. Fight. We are to contend for this. And the image that I I got from that terminology was this idea of forging where you have that we have got to forge healthy families, that that requires heat, that requires sometimes a hammer, that requires some hard stuff, because healthy families don't just happen, do they? I think so many times we just think, hey, you know what? I'm a follower of Christ. I've been told that I've been given the Holy Spirit. I'm just going to sit back and watch the Holy Spirit do what the Holy Spirit does. But no, there is some hard work involved. This is why today, under the Saturate series, it is forging healthy families. And I want you to turn in your Bibles to a passage where honestly, I just got to be honest with you. I wrestled with the Lord on this one. I was just like, okay, Lord, how can I communicate this in a way that I hope will be so helpful, not only for our individual family units within the body, but for the body that is Grace Spring. And he brought me to Micah 6, 6 through 8. Um, I want everybody to turn there. I, I encourage you, please take notes. Studies show when you take notes, you will retain it better. There are notes on our church app. Um, but it's on page 927 because Micah isn't always the easiest book of the Bible to find. But I think Micah 6, 6 through 8, um, gives us some great wisdom for how to build a solid foundation. Have any of you in any place that you have lived ever encountered foundation problems? Anyone? Anyone? raise their hands. It is a pain, isn't it? 
those doors that are supposed to close very nicely all of a sudden get stuck. And it's like, why can't I close this door all the way? Or, or cracks on the, on the walls or, or whatever. So many times that's because of something that you cannot see with your eyes. See, the foundation is not what everybody looks for. I mean, you want to build and, and, and do a great paint job, great exterior work, but the foundation is hugely important. We're reminded of that in the wisdom literature. Proverbs 24.3 says, By wisdom a house is built, and by understanding it is established. Now, that word for house does not literally mean the brick and mortar of your physical house. He's talking about, um, in Scripture, there is like the, the, the house of David. That's a lineage, the house of David. In the New Testament, you had the, the household of Cornelius, and their household came to faith, the house of Cornelius. It's talking about the relational dynamic that is there. So it says, by wisdom, a house is built, a lineage is built, a heritage is built, but it's done by wisdom. And we live in a day where people think they're pretty smart because we can Google anything, right? You can Google just about anything. It's amazing to me. I don't know how they measure this, but over time where they say, you know, that, that knowledge doubles, you know, they, they said recently every 12 months or 13 months, like knowledge doubles. I, I don't even know what that is other than, I guess, technology and all of technology's ability is able to double and double and compound the, the access that we have to knowledge. But trust me, folks, as we have had access to far more knowledge, how's our families doing? How's society doing? How's culture doing? With all this knowledge, are you crazy? It's because God's word. I tell you, I'll, I'll use this book over Facebook or social media anytime to build a healthy foundation. So it says, by wisdom a house is built, by understanding it is established. How all of this is put together. So I, I pray that our text in, uh, in Micah will really be helpful for us today. Okay, so Micah 6, are you there? 6 through 8, you got it? Good, good, I hope you got it. Turn on your Bibles, open up your Bibles, whatever you need to do. Let's read the Word of God together. Let's stand up, please, for the reading of God's Word. With what shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before God on high? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, with ten thousands of rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? He has told you, O oh man, what is good, and what does the Lord require 
of you, but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for the authority. Lord, in like building a house, it is foolish for me to build a house, literally, because I don't have the training. I don't have the architectural expertise. But Lord, when it comes to the family that you have designed, Lord, may we now go to the architect so that we, for our families, have foundations that will last and not crack. We pray in your most holy name. And all God's children said, amen, amen. Please be seated. So the context, the context here for uh, Micah in chapter 6 is, is this. In, in Micah 6, you've got Micah who was a prophet during the time where the Assyrians had come in and they invaded and took captive the northern kingdom. And so in doing that, there was Jerusalem. Jerusalem was very vulnerable to the Assyrians. And King Hezekiah at the time was, was, was the king of the, the south. And, and Micah, when you read the first five chapters leading up to chapter 6, there is almost a nauseating idea of God listing out all of the reasons why his judgment is coming. It's for some of us what makes so many of us feel uncomfortable whenever we entertain this idea of, of God because it's almost Micah, I think, was going through this because when you read through 6 and 7, it seems like he's frustrated. I mean, look, look at the text. It seems like Micah the prophet is frustrated. Look at your text. With what shall I come before the Lord? It's almost, you have given me all of these reasons why judgment is coming. Man, what can we do? He says, do I bow myself before God on high? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings? Well, the law says, come before him with burnt offerings. With calves a year old? Well, yeah, that would be according to the law. It says, will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams? Okay, well, now it seems like hyperbole is happening. There is uh, some accentuation of the picture here to to show a point. He says, with 10,000s of rivers of oil, basically he's saying, well, what can we do? I mean, it, it, it just seems like there is nothing that can please you. What can I do? Notice the my. Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul. Did you get that? See, when you're reading that, he says, what can I do about the angst that seems to be between me and you? Now, I'll tell you, sometimes I have wrestled with that same thing. If I'm being honest with you, at times it's like, man, Lord, man, what, what can I do? And I have to be reminded of something 
Because it says, he has told you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? Do you know what the Lord requires of you when it comes to everything that is the the cause for the sin and the brokenness and the destruction? Do you know what you can do about all of that kind of thing? Nothing. Say what? No, really. He says, no, you can do nothing about that. Say, wait a minute here. That that just doesn't seem right. You know, Lord, I'm frustrated with you, and and I'm just saying, okay, your law tells me to do these things. It says, yes. But folks, this is why we make a big deal of the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ here. This is why we make such a huge deal about it. Because what we're about to read, you you see the, the, the answer is yes, there's nothing you can do. There's things that only God can do. And I'll tell you, as somebody who likes to control situations, I don't like this. I don't like that I can't be the answer to my own problems. I don't like that. I find myself constantly in situations where it's like, God, well, if I just do this, then this will happen. Or if I do this, this can happen. And no, that's not always the truth, is it? Yeah, we can try and try and try and try. But at the foundation of all of this, it's going to come back to the Lord saying, here's what I'm calling you to do. I've done what I have promised I will do. And that's going to be fulfilled in Jesus Christ because we're going to see the gospel in this of how to build a solid foundation. What's the first thing he says? Do justice. He says the very first thing. He says, here's what a a transformed heart, a heart that knows me, a heart that embraces what I have done is going to do justice. Okay, well, what is justice? Justice is righting wrongs. And the biggest wrong in all of creation was man choosing to go against the architect, the creator, the designer. And mankind is still thinking we can do a far better job than God. Would you agree with that? And uh, I, I wish we were exempt from this, but... You know, the the foundation even for these three callings is that everything in verses 6 and 7, the reality that I can do nothing should foster in me the sense of humility, shouldn't it? I can't do it. Lord, only you can do this. I can't bridge the gap for my sin and, and me being a sinner to a holy God. I can't do it. I wish I could, but my good works can't do it. My good works is not enough. I cannot do it. That is the message of verses 6 and 7. No, you cannot do it no matter how many offerings, no matter how much sacrifice. You cannot do it. You've got to allow yourself and your heart to embrace what only God could do through Jesus Christ. That requires humility. See, even as a parent, humility is a very important quality of a very good parent. Because sometimes we parents make mistakes. 
And it's only the humble parent, not the self-righteous parent. The self-righteous parent says, no, you do this. I told you to do this. You do this. You know, and, and, and setting the standard and, and so many times then they fail. And it's like, how could you do that after all we've done for you? And then I think, ooh, could God be saying the same thing to me? And I can't tell you as a parent how many times I had to apologize for my kids, to my kids, and say, you know what, daddy became unglued on that situation. You saw me respond in anger, and that was not right, because you could have gotten this message from your dad who loves you. I'm so sorry. See, humility See, but it's not only important for a parent, it's important for all of us. This is fundamental for all of us, that we have the humility to say, okay, am I not like what you're saying to me, but humbly, if I need to hear it, I'm going to receive that because my hope is that it's coming from a heart of love for me. But also, these three are built on not only humility, but gratitude, gratitude for God doing something for me that I could not do for myself. And see, we see that. So he says, we are to do justice. And we do justice to others in the very same way Jesus gave his life so that we could live. It's humbly doing justice but it's humbly doing justice. I gotta be honest, you know, I, I, I hope we show up today as grace bringers to the prayer at the park at Arcadia Park this afternoon at four o'clock and, and praying for life and praying that as churches come together, but I've talked to many different grace bringers who've had concerns because of how they have been modeled by so many church people of justice and saying that we have got to talk bad about those who are on the other side of the aisle that I sit or who have a differing viewpoint than I have. And I'll tell you, our hope today at four o'clock in Arcadia Park is for us to come together and use the means by which the Lord has employed for us to humbly come together and pray. Not with signs of God hates dot, dot, dot. No. Humble justice. Secondly is this. To love kindness. To love kindness. Uh, that, that Hebrew word also is this idea of mercy. It's, it's not giving people maybe what we think they should deserve. So with justice, it's almost like, hey. I've already put them in a category. Hey, I am going to be mean to them. I am going to talk bad about them. I tell you, there's plenty of examples of that, tragically, in the church of Jesus Christ. But you know, when it comes to parenting, when it comes to how to be a good brother and sister in the Lord to one another, yes, we are called to do justice, to stand for what God's word says, but we are to do that in a spirit of kindness. I'll tell you, kindness can just melt hard hearts, can't they? And God's word says, it's your kindness, Lord, that leads us to repentance. Repentance. 
Not your judgment that leads us to repentance. It's your kindness. It's, man, let me listen to you. And as a parent, you need to be listening to your kids and kill them with kindness. And yes, sometimes they're prone. And sometimes your brothers and sisters in the Lord here are prone to do some things that you don't like that much. But you just say, hey, I, 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 I want to err on the side of, man, I want to listen to you and I want to be kind. I, I'll be firm, but I want to do that in the spirit of kindness. And then lastly, to walk humbly. To walk humbly, how? You know, there's not a period after humbly. Could have said, do justice, love kindness, and walk humbly. No, how is it that we are to walk humbly with your God? It's a relationship. It's a relationship. I'll tell you, I love that we have a lot of kids around here. I love that we have a lot of teens around here. I love that we have a lot of older around here and how God that uses all of us to help forge a healthy family. I'll tell you, you know, I know those who maybe have not been able to have kids of their own, but they are pouring into the next generation, and they're as much of a parent as others that are speaking into the spiritual growth and development. You know, this has got to be an environment. And what I love about this church family is, you know, we, we have an environment where newcomers uh, tell me, hey, man, th- this is an environment where people seem to really love each other. Yes, but to love one another, sometimes we have to, have to say some hard things to one another. And that can be construed as, eh, this ain't a nice place. Man, they confronted me on this. Well, it's so important that we, out of a heart of justice and kindness, that we walk humbly with our God and we help one another in this journey called faith. Do you know how immunizations work scientifically? Immunizations work where you are given a shot, and that shot is giving you a little bit of the disease, right? (laughs) Giving you a little bit of disease so that your body can combat that disease, so that when you're confronted with the real disease, your body has the antibodies to be able to fight that off, right? Folks, when it comes to raising up our kids, the next generation, my prayer my concern, and, 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 and I don't want to sound like I'm fearful of this, but my concern gets to be in many church culture dynamics where it's almost like, let's give them just a little Jesus. And when we just give a little Jesus, their natural bodies develop immunities that combat that in my prayer, in taming my prayer and raising our kids is, no, we want our kids to get the real disease. We want kids to get Jesus. We don't want to just inoculate them with just something really small and have just enough Jesus where I feel good. Hey, we go to church, don't we? We pray before our meals, don't we? Man, I tell you, your kids can read through it every time. I guarantee you, no matter how young or old your child might be, I can ask, hey, what is your parents' number one priority? And so many times, it's that they that I get to go to the college institution of my choice. 
I'm living for that so that I could get the great job. So I can, and it's just like, really? Man, I love my parents. We just celebrated 60 years of my parents being married this week. Isn't that great? To have 60 years. I didn't think they were going to make it. Didn't think they were going to make it. But they made it. And I praise God for that. You see, we got to build using these three principles, folks. The principle of focus, getting people focused on the Lord. Even more than doing for God, let's get focused on the Lord. Man, I want you to fall in love with Jesus as parents. It's our, our parents' number one priority, fall in love with Jesus. Principle of modeling, hey, I'm not just teaching you, kids. I am demonstrating it. And we get to do that for one another as well. And then the principle of diversification in that. You can't train every child the same way. We need some flexibility, don't we? And with that, I, I, I just want to remind us, for those of you who are even new with us, our mission, helping people take a step closer to Jesus. We want people to get Jesus. Our strategy, we want people to belong in real relationship. Belonging is so important today. People don't care what you say unless they know that they can belong to you. Belong in real relationship, grow to be like Jesus, and reach people where we live, work, and play. That's our strategy. We want to give our lives to this and our vision to saturate dry places with the life-giving message of Jesus. Right now, I'm going to invite Gwen Wilde up here uh, to the stage because uh, she's going to be sharing just some, some ways that we as a church, we said that we are going to unveil just some ways that we have, as a church are going to exercise some of these currents. And so I'm going to give you the clicker okay. and I'm going to turn it over to you, Gwen. Okay, super. Thank you, Brian. Thank you. And I just appreciate the chance to be able to come to you and talk about Shine Ministry today. And Shine is a relatively new ministry here at Grace Spring. Um, and in a nutshell, we just have a fantastic group of volunteers. And we get to hang out with some amazing kids every week. Um, we started Shine a few years ago when we realized there were some kids who could just benefit from some extra supports in order to be successful in GS Kids. And as the ministry grew, we found more kids, and we're seeing that throughout our society for a number of reasons, who just need a little bit more support to be able to be successful and to feel like they fit in and are loved, and we want to be that for them. And as the ministry grew, the leadership decided to give this the name Shine. And here are just two of the 47 verses in the Bible that use the word shine and that guide our ministry. Philippians 2.15 says, So that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault, in a warped and, um, I didn't bring my glasses, crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky. And that's what we want for our kids. We want them to shine, right, and reflect God's love. And then number 625, the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. And we want all of the families to come here to feel God's love shining on them as well. Shine ministry exists to provide additional supports for any child who may benefit from them. This includes kids who benefit from a sensory-friendly environment, kids who experience trauma or are dealing with grief and loss, um, kids who struggle socially for a variety of reasons, and sometimes just kids who are having a bad morning and just benefit from an adult being able to take a few minutes to show them a little bit of extra love and care that morning. 
Our hope is that every child who enters Grace Spring will be able to experience the love of God through his people here, and that by knowing that the kids are safe and loved, their parents will also be able to feel God's love and, stay, and take a step closer to him. Currently, let me see where I am. Here we are. Currently, um, Shine Ministry supports GS Kids and GS Youth in a variety of ways. We're able to meet the needs of most of our kids in their age and grade level classrooms through Shine volunteers who support them there. We also now have a dedicated Shine classroom in both the early childhood and the elementary wings for kids who do better in a one-on-one -on -one or small group environment. And these rooms are also available for kids who just need a break in a sensory friendly atmosphere and in a loving atmosphere. So we have kids who just go there for a few minutes here and there and then are able to return to their classrooms. Additionally, we are working to ensure that all of the volunteers in GS Kids and GS Youth understand the vision of Shine and feel equipped to meet the needs of the kids that they teach on a weekly basis. We also have been providing training to the kids in the elementary wing during large group time, and that's been so much fun for me. And we're just helping them to get excited about this ministry and learn that they're a super important part of it so that the kids who come here really do feel loved and embraced by their peers. And they're getting it. We did a training, a little mini lesson recently, specifically on autism. And afterwards, I asked them, how can you show love to your friends who have autism? And they just quickly said things like, I can ask if they want a hug. You know, one of them said, I can ask if they want headphones. I can play the things that they want to play and the way that they want to play. And I thought, the kids get it. You know, they really do. And we can learn so much from them. And they're excited to be a part of that. One of our goals for this year is to begin to meet the needs of the parents of kids who benefit from additional support. An informal moms group has already met once, and they're making plans for the future. And we are also hosting a parent lab after second service in February titled Parenting Kids Who Need Extra. And that can be extra love, extra grace, extra intervention, any variety of extra that kids may need. And so we're excited about that. Shine Ministry provides support to kids with a wide variety of needs, and some of those kids do have identified medical or developmental diagnoses. And we're going to hear from one of these families now. I have had the pleasure of getting to know Becky Pierce recently. She's quickly become one of my favorite people, and she's been such a blessing to me. And Becky has been so gracious to share her family's story with us on this video. My name is Becky Pierce. I'm married to Nathan Pierce. Um, we have two boys, uh, Sam, who is almost six, and Austin, who's almost three. Sam was diagnosed with um, autism in October of 2020, and then Austin was diagnosed with uh, neurofibromatosis, or NF1, May of 2021. When Sam was first diagnosed, uh, I was very angry with God. Um, that's how I felt. And that Austin was diagnosed eight months later. I was very angry with God. When he was first diagnosed, we lost our church that we were attending because there wasn't anywhere. Nobody would help him. And I needed Jesus. I was just felt like I was holding on for dear life when the initial diagnosis came. 
our family life is very different than other people. Let's go to the park. You know, kids, let's, I want to go to the park. Let's jump in the car and go play. Um, we can't do that. It takes a lot more steps for us to do the most basic things. So he gets overwhelmed, overstimulated. Uh, he can break down, temper tantrum, starts flapping a lot, will hit his head on um, hard surfaces. So it can be very, very hard to step out and do that. When I take Sam anywhere and I get stared at, um, side glances, um, especially from adults, we get it from children all the time, but especially from adults. Um, it, and I get it at church too. It's not just out in the, the community or the world. Um, yeah, I get it here sometimes. You feel like you're on a show. Um, you don't want to come back. You don't want to step back through the doors of wherever, the grocery store, the church doors, school doors, anywhere. Because it breaks your heart. You can feel very alone. You're very, just alone. To know that, yes, my both of my babies are have a diagnosis, but if this opens the eyes, like God just takes us and just like makes us so much bigger. Like it just helps me. Like oh, that's why. Okay, but it opens that. It just gives me like this. Okay, that's why you're doing this. Like this is bigger than us. I told God this has got to be. This is bigger than our world. Because if it's just us, I can't do this. But if it impacts, oh my goodness. Like what an impact this can have. The Shine Ministry has helped us tremendously. Um, my husband and I are able to sit and get fed from the Word of God. We're able to sing. We're able to take a moment because of the Shine Ministry. and. That is, I will be forever grateful for that. And because of that, Austin's able to hear about Jesus. Because of that, my mental health is better. Because of that, my husband and I's marriage is good and better. And, and we're great, but where would we be without this, without somebody willing to sit with him and make sure he's okay for an hour? I personally did not see the love of God at the beginning of our journey, just being very real. But you eventually do. You eventually see that. I have seen the love of God because through this, the remarkable side of who He has brought into our lives, how fast we got a diagnosis for Sam, that's the love of God. Because with a diagnosis, with a doctor signing something, I'm able to get him services. I've seen the love of God through his therapist, who God has brought in to do such, to have such an impact on our lives, and bringing us this church, and bringing us volunteers to help him and love him and want him here, it's the love of God. Friendships that we have seen, I've seen come in have been incredible in that they have walked Jesus. When you go through such a low valley, 
is, and you struggle with anger and depression, and where are you, Lord? You need somebody to step into your world. Walk, Jesus. Walk, walk it. Be willing, be willing to step into hard times. Step in and be willing to just, even if you don't know what to say, cry with them, bring them a coffee, bring me coffee, <laughs> anytime. Becky. I just really appreciate her vulnerability and honesty. And, you know, we want this to be a place where parents can say, this is tough. I'm struggling, you know. And then we want to be the family that can come along and walk alongside them and, um, and, and get to know each other and, and really be the hands and feet of Jesus. And we just, um, I just pray that our congregation will be able to continue to do that for families like the Pierce family over coffee or, or whatever it takes to get to know them and support them and, um, and reach out to more families in our community who also experience barriers when it comes to attending church and being part of the body of Christ. Okay, so where do we go from here? We're just now starting to support um, some, some kids in the youth department who can benefit from some, some extra. And this Wednesday, we're going to be going in and doing some training for the students on how they can become peer supports and make everybody feel loved and included and welcomed, no matter what might be going on in their lives or, or what, um, what makes them unique, right? And so we're uh, looking forward to that opportunity. Um, we also recognize that parenting kids who need extra also involves extra expenses, like Becky mentioned. You know, um, PT, OT, speech therapy, specialized childcare, medical expenses, and more all build up. So we want to, uh, and we are looking at ways that we can provide some scholarships and financial assistance for these families to further remove barriers in their lives. We also really envision that Shine will eventually continue to grow all the way up through late adulthood to be able to provide supports for everybody who comes to Grace Spring, no matter what that may look like and what their needs may be. Okay, we know also that dads um, need the opportunity to be able to come together and support one another, especially when their journeys might look different than that of other dads. So we're hoping to find some opportunities to support dads in that way as well. This is one of those ministries that will thrive if we all see our role in this. And that's what we talk to the kids about too. You know, we all play a role in making sure everybody feels welcomed and accepted and loved here at Grace Spring. Uh, we definitely are going to continue to need to grow our, our volunteer base as our ministry expands. So that is one way that you can get involved. Um, if you're led to provide financial assistance for the, some of these families who can benefit from it, we would always greatly appreciate that, and we'll make sure that the funds are well used. And then lastly, um, show love, you know, um, just like our kids say, ask if they want a hug. Um, if we see somebody struggling in the concourse, a parent struggling or an unexpected behavior of a child, it's always best to just start with, how can I help, you know, or just, I am so glad you're here today to make sure that nobody feels judged or, um, or that we, you know, nobody feels like we think we know what's best um, because we don't. We don't know what they've been through that morning just to get out the doors. And so that's how we can start too. And then just pray. Pray that families will know that we're here. Invite everybody. A lot of families do feel like they can't come because their kids aren't successful at church and we want them to know they can come. And we're going to make sure that they're successful here. So um, thank you all for this opportunity and I'm excited to see what God has in next for us with Shine Ministries.